City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. On this somber edition of The Stinger, we are coming with discussing a topic that nobody ever wants to discuss about anything ever, um, which is Miles Bridges, who was arrested for a felony on Wednesday evening in Los Angeles. We'll get into the details in a minute, but first, just to introduce my co-host for this episode, helping me to navigate, to tiptoe over the eggshells that we're going to try to do our best to do is Chase Whitney. How are you, Chase? Uh, I mean, I'm okay, uh, I guess. Uh, it's a very unfortunate thing that we have to deal with right now uh, as, you know, I guess Hornets fans, but also just people in general having to deal with um, d- felony domestic violence being a prevalent part of uh, American society and famous people um, often being caught up in things like that and the reaction that people have to that is usually never positive so uh i'm doing okay considering all of that stuff uh how about you yeah um doing okay so me and chase are going to do our best today firstly we are basketball folks okay we are not uh we don't podcast about criminal cases legal proceedings we might get terms wrong i have a limited understanding of the u.s uh you know justice system I think also does Chase. Yeah, well. yeah, so as do I. Um, yeah, so we're going to do our best here. Um, we're not going to be answering uh, everything that you probably want. We're probably going to be trying to pose some of the questions that the team are probably asking themselves now um, and try and look at it through the, the Hornets team eyes. Um, one one other thing, I guess, Chase, when, how did you find out about this? When, when did you first see it? Did you see the night it came out or did you see it this morning? We're recording on 30th of June right here. I was I was asleep. Um, I think it like came out at like midnight or something like that. So I was asleep by by then and I woke up uh, at like six in the morning uh, and saw it. And it was just like immediately uh, like ruined my morning. And I just I also just want to say like um, the the victim in this situation, I sincerely hope that they're okay, first of all, yeah. and that it doesn't become like, like a, they don't become like a target in this sort of situation. Um, because Miles is like a, you know, pers- what before this morning was a very well liked uh, athlete around the NBA. But yeah, uh, I, I just saw it at like six o'clock this morning. And because I mean, that was like the only thing that um was like on the timeline still from from overnight news i guess but would were you uh awake when when you saw it uh well i because there's been lots of trades right i i've been waking up i wake up check my phone see if there's any been any trades i woke up and uh shout out to under construction or under co10 who i don't even know what time it was like 10 past five in the morning something my time tweeted me and he was like you got, they were like, you can't be serious. Have you seen this? Um, and it was the Miles Bridges TMZ article. So after that, I was pretty much up from like 6 a.m. this morning. Was not planning to be for sure. Um, but mine was racing. And also it was kind of, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on. Um, so 
Yeah, not the news that people wanted to be waking up. You know, normally the first day of free agency, which essentially is later today we're recording, is so exciting. And we were planning on recording a podcast tomorrow, thinking we might have some free agency stuff to talk about. But now it just seems there is no way you cannot talk about the elephant in the room. Um, so to just to kind of go over what has happened in case, I mean, I'm guessing most people listen to this know, but uh, Miles Bridges was arrested for a felony domestic violence, not a misdemeanor, a felony domestic violence charge in Los Angeles on Wednesday. The 24-year-old uh, turned himself into a local jail regarding an alleged physical altercation that happened on Tuesday. Law enforcement uh, sources tell us a woman claimed she was in an argument with Bridges that turned physical. We're told police were called to the scene, but Bridges was gone by the time cops arrived. We're told the woman required medical attention. So that was recorded, reported by TMZ Sports. This is where we're currently at. Miles Bridges and all from his camp at this stage have commented, neither of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, that's, <clears throat> that's what's happened. Um, I think the first thing, like you said, first thoughts go to the, the victim here, especially, you know, requiring medical attention. This is serious. This is a felony charge, which means it's a serious potential crime. And I think what the first thing we'll say is if Miles Bridges is guilty um, of this, then he should absolutely serve as punishment, no matter what it could be. Um, punishments generally for these things range from fines to jail time. It, it really is really broad depending on each situation. So I think there's any way that either of us can, can speculate if it could be one or the other, but I think you're asking about what's in scope here. I think it's all in the above. Would you agree? Yeah, probably. Like I, I, I don't know where this is going to go next necessarily, but even on top of that, like regardless of how it ends up, I think in the legal system, the NBA also mm. has jurisdiction over how um, like he's going to be, treated as like a free agent or whether or not he'd be suspended after that, um, like for next season or something. So, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of layers to this. And I mean, like, again, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that like, it's so, so much of it is about miles when it's like, he like clearly like maybe like really hurt somebody. And if he did, then that would be a very serious crime, but um, it's, it's just a very unfortunate situation yeah and one thing to make people aware of is the collective bargaining agreement which is essentially the rules agreed between the nba and the players association um they do have a joint nba nba pol uh, players association policy on domestic violence sexual assault and child abuse um so anyone can go read this if you go on the nba players association website you can find it listed on there um, it's, it's not even something that I can recap because, uh, I mean, I don't even know how many pages it is. It's a lot. Uh, but they, they have very much set up for this and they have policies in place. So I don't think this is something that's going to necessarily catch the league or the team unaware. I think there is something they can follow. The strangest thing with this is, and I've tried to look back, there's, there's lots of examples of these sorts of things, whether it's Darren Collison, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Rashid Wallace, Jason Kidd, um, there's a lot of examples going back in the history of the league. I can't find any of them as the player is a restricted free agent, which I just think adds a level of complexity to this issue, at least maybe from 
the the kind of the team perspective for all the teams who were thinking about trying to sign Miles Bridges of where that leaves them. Because when they're on the team, it's simple, right? They're suspended uh, until they're charged. And then after they get the charge, they're given a number of games suspension. I think the minimum is 10, I want to say, for domestic violence um, charge. But when the player is not on any team, but he has restricted free agency rights to a team, that's where things get, get really complicated. Yeah, it's like, it definitely seems like it's going to be a unique situation um, in like literally the most negative way possible. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, like what, I have no idea like how this is going to work um, tomorrow, which I guess isn't um, the best answer from a podcast, but like this type of situation has just really never happened before, especially in like the modern world and like modern society and like modern rules for the NBA and like who knows like how long this is going to take to drag out and all that type of stuff and like right now he doesn't even he's technically like not even playing for a team so who knows what that's going to do for the Hornets as in terms of like their free agency plans and all that Uh, I mean it's just like a in every way it is just a it is a mess I mean, that kind of question, like, even if Bridges, the, the evidence that we know so far, allegedly, seems pretty damning, okay? It yeah, Tur- turning yourself in um, and your bail being set at 130K when I saw that the average bail for that uh, crime in California is, like, 50K. I saw that on okay. Twitter this morning, um, so it might not be true, obviously, but, I mean, 130K is a really high bail regardless, so yeah, those types of things are very... Um, you know, not working in his favor, I should say. Absolutely. So where, what is this impact on Charlotte, right? If you're in the front office today, you're waking up this morning, probably like you were, okay? They've probably gone to bed too, getting an early night before free agency, right? You go to bed, you wake up, you see this news. I mean, for me, I think there's a few different routes to try and navigate this, okay? So Miles is a restricted free agent. Now, Technically, two things are true here. One, a restricted free agent can technically sign his qualifying offer at any point. So I, I don't think this would actually be allowed. I think it would be voided. But uh, if, if Miles Bridges hadn't done what he did the other day, he could just sign his qualifying offer and be back here next year on his qualifying offer, which I've not got it in front of me. is probably like, what, five, six million, something I think it's like nature. seven something, maybe. Seven million, okay. But I don't think his, you know... He's not just going to like find a loophole in the league and get paid $7 million next year. The league would not let that happen. So I'm taking that out the picture. Charlotte can withdraw his qualifying offer at any point and essentially just make him an unrestricted free agent and then they have no ties to him whatsoever. I think that probably feels almost the most likely scenario at this point, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends how long they're allowed to like hold on to his rights and have it count against their cap because like yeah i I think they can hold on to his rights he can stay out as a restricted free agent in that kind of like gray zone up until the next financial year for the league which is next july so he could i think technically stay as a restricted free agent if you remember tristan thompson 
when he was with the Cavs, took his restricted free agency into like October, I want to say. And he was just out there as a restricted free agent. No one had any cap space, but he re- refused to sign the qualifying offer. Cleveland refused to pull the qualifying offer. So he was just stuck in a limbo area, right? From what I understand, Charlotte could do that indefinitely. But by doing that, you are signaling that you still want to bring this guy back. And I'm guessing the steer the organization would take is you are innocent until you're proven guilty. So we will, you, you, the, the, so they will take, this is what they could take. You see, I've got to be careful with my words today, Chase. The option they could take is that you are innocent until you're proven guilty. So we're not going to pay you a dime, but we're going to keep your restricted rights until we have clear evidence of and clarity of the situation. And then once they've got a full picture, they can make the decision. And at that point, they could rescind his qualifying offer at any point. Or if magically something was cleared, then they would have his rights to be able to sign him. Whether, whether the team would want to, whether the fan base and media would stand for that, for the backlash, I don't know. Whether the ownership, whether Michael Jordan, who's owner, would want to set that precedent to the people and staff who work for his organization, knowing what's happened, even if it is found innocent, there will always be a black stain there on, on your reputation. That will be there. And some people may feel uncomfortable. That's the kind of thing the team are going to have to try and wrestle with. On the flip side, if they just rip the bandaid off, make him an unrestricted free agent now, the team will most likely take a step back next year. They, they wouldn't be able to replace Bridges. Uh, they could maybe try and do a weird sign and trade for Aiton or someone like that, but I think that's really unlikely. Um, I think they'd more likely go into the team, maybe use the MLE, but again, there's very few wings and forwards on the market this year. Um, if you're wanting to try and find a center, okay, there's some depth there, but now actually, if you look at this team's roster allocation, Mark Williams, Mason Plumley, Kai Jones, Nick Richards, there's already four bigs there. I, I don't know if signing Pirtle or trading for Pirtle or signing Mobamba is going to solve anything you get with losing Miles Bridges. Uh, and then how does this impact Cody Martin's free agency? Like, what if Cody Martin now is affected by this from a knock-on impact? Does this make him more likely or less likely to come back? I, these are a lot of questions that the Hornets have hours matter of hours to try and resolve and there is no way they can resolve them and yeah i feel i feel sorry for the hornets organization uh, because you know if you work there everyone's going to be asking you about this and it's got nothing to do with 99.9 percent of people the only person has to do with is miles bridges he's the one responsible yeah no they that it's definitely and like that's that's something I saw way too many people on on Twitter deflecting and saying that the Hornets have a bad culture or something because of this. That is a that, rid- could, that could be true. It could but, be true, but but that's that is rid- not tied to this. It's a ridiculous deflection from correct from some, what uh, an individual choice made while he was in Los Angeles, California, in the middle of the summer that has nothing absolutely. to do with yeah. both what goes can be on right. Hor- yeah, absolutely, both like can it, be right. Like, I'm pretty sure that's probably why James Brago got fired, at least in part. But that has so little to do with this that it's not even something you can can mention. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I probably agree that, like, at least maybe not, like, the most likely, but the one that is the just the easiest route, I guess, to, to move on sooner than later would just be to rescind the qualifying offer um, and be like, we're just going to move on from this whole situation, regardless of how it ends up, um, and just start our free agency tonight and not have to worry about how this is going to tie up our cap space or whether or not we're even going to have you playing or that that sort of thing. Um, but that, like you said, there's no way to replace him. Like the Hornets don't like just because they were going to be able to offer him 120 million dollars doesn't mean they can now offer a, a, another free agent 120 million dollars. Like they don't have even close to the cap space to that. And to create that cap space, they'd have to trade every good player they have on the team, except basically. Except and to for, sign who? Yeah, right. To sign who? Who's going to come to Charlotte if you're trading Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier? Mason Plumley and Kelly Oubre just to have cap space to sign one player, you know. Could could John Collins be a panic move, right? Uh, I, I mean, guess I, potentially, yeah. Because the Hawks have been shopping John Collins. Um, he plays. He's more of a four-five than a three-four that Miles was. Uh, but they've been trying to get rid of him. He was. I think he's twenty-five million per year. And if if Charlotte are still determined, despite this, to to try and push forward and pursue kind of a win now culture and, and process, which I, yeah, I everything we've heard suggests they are. I, I don't know you can find a better option right now than, than John Collins, who I think you could get at a relatively low cost. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. He, he would make some sense out there. It doesn't feel like there's a natural landing spot for him. The positional overlap with PJ Washington isn't great. If PJ could play the three, I'd feel a lot better about it because then essentially you've got John Collins and PJ at the four and you've got Gordon Hayward and then like Ubre at the three. I I can see that. Um, that's probably the most logical turning point in terms of not having to give up huge amount of assets. He's available now and he kind of would, would also fit some of what this team needs. Yeah, I, I guess that is like kind of a, I mean, that does make logical sense. And I mean, he didn't go to the Spurs and the DeJounte Murray trade. So mm-hmm. that's like one, one less uh, potential destination that he, he has, but I, I don't, it's, I don't, I don't, who would they trade for him now? You know? Cause like, if they want to be a remotely good team, they need PJ. They can't trade PJ for really anybody unless they're getting a, a vastly better player. Um, well, it wouldn't be Terry Rozier, not after the right. Dejounte Murray trade, which is exactly. just gone yeah. down. So, yeah, John Collins is making twenty three and a half million per year. Um, it you could like, have to package, be like Gordon Hayward or something, but like, you, I mean, you could do Gordon Hayward, but then I just think you—it's like plugging one hole, right? It's like you're taking creating the plug out. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel, and it, that's um, what that, and it's going to be so hard for them to to not do that in any sort of move now if they're trading anybody because. Miles so was trade. locked for 30 plus minutes at the wing, and now they don't have that. John Collins for Mason Plumley and Kelly Oubre, right? Yeah. Um, it gives Atlanta cap space, flexibility around Dejounte Murray, Trey Young. It also gives them some depth if they do end up moving on from Capella, or uh, I, I think they want to make more time for Kongwu, but they, they've got Plumley there on a one-year deal. Ubre they could actually waive, I believe, depending when the deal gets done. He's I think got it's an option. today. 
Yeah. Um, so they could waive him depending if they put that option back or, or they might just want to keep him as some wing depth, but uh, there'd probably have to be some draft compensation. I'm guessing from Charlotte thrown in there, but I don't, uh, in the current situation, if you'd asked me yesterday, I'd be like, no, why would we ever want John Collins? Now I'm like, well, yeah, if the right. team has to pivot and doesn't want to take a step back, maybe he's an option, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's the, we might not know anything for sure for a little while. I guess we're going to have to wait and see how, pre-agency unfolds later today uh starting at six is when negotiations can start and i'm sure there will be a couple of 10 second negotiations um have you seen how many there's been already there are, yeah i mean there have already I mean, john, tucker's signing in philadelphia james yeah, Harden's resigning. yeah john, john wall is going to the clippers uh they, yeah. they haven't spoken to each other yet but the, yeah He's it's just a, it's a silent what? agreement what was the point of finding, what was it, the Bulls? The I know, they made it picks. so two players couldn't get drafted this year, like robbed them of that life experience just to let everyone else do the exact same thing. And oh, so it's, weird. The, it's the dumbest thing ever. So I mean, weird. it's not even like you have to enforce the rule or get rid of it. It's like you can have it and just not enforce it, but just literally just never enforce it. Like just have it and pretend it doesn't exist. But yeah, for whatever reason, that isn't the case anymore. Okay. Let's let's move on from Bridges. I think, you know, I will say we've got a good article on sihornets.com where we outline some of the options in a little bit more detail. We also touch on Jeff Taylor, who's a Charlotte Bobcat, who went through a very similar experience with his domestic violence charge back in 2014. Spoiler, he wasn't on the team by 2015. Um is out of the NBA, uh, I think, in less than a year. Yeah. So and has not not been not got a sniff back in since. Um so yeah, go make sure you, you read that out. Uh, we also had a free agent articles, free agent uh, target piece come up as well recently, which is probably now more important than ever for, uh, following this Miles Bridges news. But let's move on to some other break news we had just before we came on that Kemba Walker has agreed to a buyout with the Detroit Pistons. Once he clears waivers, will become a free agent. This is, this is more on our wheelhouse, Chase. I feel more relaxed talking about this. Okay. Um, we've talked about this, I think, in theory, probably before on maybe our old podcast and at the Hive, when uh, I think he maybe got bought out the first time by OKC. Would you like Kemba? Would you like Kemba Walker to come back to the Charlotte Hornets to pe- play that Isaiah Thomas role? And do you think it will happen? Um, I mean, so I think he would be a substantial upgrade from what Isaiah Thomas gave the Hornets in that role last year. I don't know if he's the exact type of backup point guard that they want. Uh, he's obviously his days of being even and a slightly below average defender are behind him. He, he's going to be a target on that end probably um, for the rest of the rest of his NBA career, I would imagine. And his uh, his knees have not treated him kindly uh, in terms of his speed and ability to get to the baskets, but he is still a really good floor spacer. He's a very smart, like basketball player. He's a good, still plays with good pace despite not being able to get to the rim and finish as well. So I think he would be good there. I don't know. I don't know how like likely it is, I guess. Um, Maybe. I mean, I'm sure he would take like the non or the taxpayer, like biannual exception um, type deal that Ish Smith got, especially if it's like, you know, coming home to the Hornets and all that type of thing. But um, 
I, I would definitely be interested in it if, I mean, maybe the Horn, I think the Hornets would probably still need to add like another, like bigger, like defensively inclined, like more playmaking um, point guard as well as Kemba. But um, I, w- I would be open to that if it's something that he wants to do too. Yeah, I think I'm torn on this, right? So I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. We just had Ronaldo come back this year, okay? Came back after Real Madrid, Juventus, the homecoming. We were all thrilled, happy. I was absolutely buzzing. And I'm telling you, Chase, the, the most exciting part of that experience was the day it got announced. <laughs> and since then, it's been a downhill slide. And now it just feels like a distraction and an albatross which is part of the team. Um, now, I don't think Kemba is quite the same situation, but it does, it does, it does worry me here. But I, I see it making sense for different reasons. I think the Hornets need a backup point guard from somewhere, whether that's like Delon Wright, uh, Kemba Walker, Isaiah Thomas, whoever it is, we've got a list of point guard rank, rankings up on sihornets.com. You can go check them out. They need a backup point guard. Kemba knows Steve Clifford really well. He flourished in his system. So straight away, you know that now Steve Clifford is back. It's the best he ever looked was playing in that exact coaching system. But it is going to be a slightly different offensive style. It's not just going to be high pick and roll with Marvin Williams and Al Jefferson. So that's important to be aware of. Yes, he played well here, but it will be different. The other thing is, I think if he were to come back here, I think he'd actually be outside of the rotation. I, I don't think he would be in that regular nine-man lineup. I think he would be brought in as a a reserve, not even a bench player, a reserve for if Rozier or Lamelo will get injured. And that's the only time I see him playing. And I I think that's also fine because let his knees rest, let him get treatment, let him stay healthy. And then when someone is out for two weeks, yeah, he can come in and he can play and he can be fresh. I think that, that works. The other side is just the veteran leadership, which even before this Miles Bridges thing, Um, This team needed more veteran leaders. Um, He is universally loved by everyone he's ever played with. Irrelevant of his play on the court, people love Kemba Walker. They love his approach. Um, My only holdup is for the Mellow Ball. And I think this would be a real sign of Lamelo's. Well, I, I just think this could be a challenge for Lamelo. I can see it being a challenge. The guy you replaced, the old favorite of all the fans coming back in. And even though like every fan out there right now thinks Lamelo is better than Kemba Walker, there's not anyone who thinks that Kemba should be replacing Lamelo in the lineup or anything like that. But how would he feel about him coming back and his presence? Um, could Lamelo Ball be not, not like that idea? Could he, you know, could that be a distraction for him? Do you, do you think that's a valid concern or do you think that's just, uh, I don't know, me being a pessimist? Uh, I think there's like, at least there's not, it's not like a, not an, it's a non-zero chance, but I don't, I don't think that that would be a, a huge problem. I think Lamelo is like easygoing enough to where he would probably just kind of embrace having Kemba there as like a guy that he can lean on for some advice and kind of has been the franchise point guard in this city before and, has a little bit of experience with that. And uh, I, I think Lamella would probably be okay with that. They seem to like, like each other too. I Kemba's said like a bunch of nice stuff about him and all that. So I think, I think it would work out uh, in terms of like off the court anyway. I, 
on the court, there certainly could be cause for concern. Yeah, I, again, just to say, I would never want to play them together. Yeah, I wouldn't even not. have him in the race. I'd still probably have Terry Rozier as the backup primary ball handler when Lamella was out the game rather than Kemba. So I'm I'm not saying that I want to replace anyone here, but just as that veteran guy and also a guy to get across like Clifford's um, coaching principles, especially defensively. And for someone to be able to kind of have that strong relationship already with Steve Clifford, that if the players have issues or concerns, you know, Kemba could be that conduit to pass that information to Clifford, the kind of link between the players and the coach, um, which can, which could be really powerful. So I, I do think there's positives here. Um, I do think that his representatives in Charlotte will talk. Um, I I don't know. It depends what Kemba wants, right? If Kemba wants to go somewhere and be in a rotation, I I don't. Well, one, I don't know where that is in the NBA after his last few years, but I don't know. If, I don't think that would be Charlotte. If he just wants to, you know, I know his parents still live in Charlotte, and he still calls at home. If he just wants to enjoy his last few years playing in the NBA, be around his family. Um, then I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, it's hard for players of his ilk, um, like with his style and size and the athletic decline that he's unfortunately experienced to be like a critical part of a playoff, like a deep playoff run uh, rotation. So, I mean, if, if it's if it's just about like enjoying – his time playing basketball and being in a comfortable situation. Uh, and like, if he wanted to be around his family, I think, I think Charlotte is definitely the best situation for that. But I mean, if someone like, you know, like the Clippers come calling or something, then, you know, go get, go get yourself a ring Kemba. But otherwise, you know, I think Charlotte's a good spot. And it's worth pointing out Kemba Walker, Michael Jordan still have a good friendship to this day. I, I know Kemba didn't even get offered the max, not even the super max, but the the mini max when he was a free agent and he left the Boston. And I know he felt a little bit disrespected, but he, you know, he said in the podcast with Wodge afterwards that Mike said to him, sorry, Kemba, this is all we can offer you. And he understood why that was the case. You know, that they are still friends. They still, they still are in touch. And with everything, with all the instability, that has happened this off season and with this young team relying on someone who you know that well in Kemba Walker, I can understand why you might lean that way. You're bringing in someone, you know, has a track record. He know he goes about things the right way. Um, And look, if he does get healthy, he'd be a damn good basketball player too (laughs) on the, on the biannual or the veteran minimum. Like um, that's a big, if I'm not expecting it at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we could at least talk, finish with some basketball talk here rather than having to talk about that unfortunate situation. But um, yeah, I, I would, I'd like to see Kemba back in the right role, which everyone is on board with. Uh, but there is still, I don't want to have any expectation of him playing because I think that will just lead you to disappointment if you're expecting Kemba to contribute to the team. For me, it is 95% off court impact that I'd be looking at. And that's why it's a bit different to United signing Ronaldo. They were signing him to, to be their lead goal scorer, to be their everything, to lead the team back to the Champions League. 
that's not why this team would be signing Kemba Walker. All right. We got anything else? No, nothing else. Free agency is tonight. Or if you listen to this uh, after June 30th, it will have already happened. I, I'm kind of expecting Charlotte to be pretty quiet um, yeah. until they get at least some clarity of any kind about this. So I wouldn't expect too many headlines at this point. Um, keep an eye out for a, a big NBA news story or trade to happen. And then Miles Bridges or Hornets dropping something about this. <laughs> yeah. Like it. a, like a uh, screenshotted press release with no caption or something like that from either like the agency or the team or something. Yeah. And anything they can do to try and hide, hide this and bury it under, um, other league news, both sides, I'm guessing we'll try and do because that's how people work. Um, but we're not going to let it slip past us. You don't need to worry. We will have coverage. We will keep trying to navigate it as best we can. Um, I think, I think the Charlotte Hornets are cursed. I, Charlotte, maybe just Charlotte sports in general, like the Carolina Panthers and the Hornets, the, the list of things that just, goes wrong for this team, whether it's the Nick Batum elbow injury, the Michael Kigilchrist injury. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're calling back here on all the things that have gone wrong over the years. Al Jefferson tearing his plantar fascia in game one or game two of the playoffs when they finally made it. Yep. Kenny Atkinson backing out as head coach, um, slipping to number two to draft MKG instead of Anthony Davis. This is just off the top of my head. I didn't even make a list yeah, right. before the podcast. We, we could be and here just, for hours yeah. let's say if we made lists ahead of time exactly and i just listed uh all the free agents having their contract deals come up the year of that cap spike so yeah. that marvin williams nick batum all got paid uh, absorbent amounts of money this team is cursed and yet yet despite all of that i still think the team are in the best position they've been in in a number of years because they have lamella ball and there is nothing that he cannot do on the basketball court. And he makes every single player around him better. And he is someone who players are going to want to play with for the rest of their careers. And he is an all-star. And he is going into his third year of his rookie contract. I know things feel bleak right now. But things can get better. Chase, any last thoughts? Yeah, uh, I mean, eventually this will, you know, not be an issue for Hornets fans uh, one way or another. Um, you know, I guess, uh, again, you know, my thoughts and well wishes to the the victim of the situation with Miles Bridges. It's very unfortunate that this is even something that we had to do, much less um, being the person that suffered through this situation and went through it and is now potentially like a a prop in a free agency negotiation or suspension thing or whatever but we'll find out more about that uh in the coming days yeah the final quote i'll leave you with from john lennon everything will be okay in the end if it's not okay it's not the end there we Thank go. you, and we'll have more coverage for the rest of free agency. Speak soon. See you guys.